Good afternoon. Welcome to Aspen Weight Live on a Tuesday afternoon with myself, Mark Carey, Mr. C. And I'm very pleased to say I have a guest with me today, Rob Hook. Welcome, Rob. Hiya. How are you doing, my friend? I'm very well indeed, thank you. Um, probably people won't know, but I'm actually one of the people that has had COVID. I've, I've had it. I'm through it. Um, fortunately, didn't have it particularly badly, but tested positive. Uh, myself and the rest of the family, but we are now all totally in the clear and all through it. So uh, good news all around. So good to hear. So good to hear. And uh, I'll, have to, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that in a little moment. But uh, welcome to our, our listeners on the podcast and welcome to our viewers on Facebook. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, you might want to know where you can watch this live. So head over to Facebook, Aspen Wait. Uh, on the Facebook group page or, or on our page. Uh, and if you're watching on Facebook, make sure you check out the podcast. Uh, we can put the links up for you. Uh, if you feel like commenting, of course, jump onto Aspen Wake Facebook page and, uh, and let us know what you think. Today's subject, um, we don't have our my usual co-host, uh, Mr. Paul Wake, of course. He's a very busy man, as you know. And also, I must just say a big thank you to Ben Eltham as well for setting everything up for today. He's a busy man, as you know. Aspen Weight Radio is uh, live now, and if you haven't checked it out, you should do. Aspen Weight Radio, uh, go over and have a listen into some of the work that's been going on there. Uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about the future. Uh, everybody seems to be continuing to talk about um, CV19 and its implications, and I, I will we'll just pick up with with Rob's. Uh, suggestion uh, of, of his being involved directly in that unfortunately um, and, and of course we've just had the announcement from from our glorious leader um, and I wonder actually we, we will try to choose a song for the end of the show which always goes on the podcast and I just want we should have chosen uh, actually Rob I just think we should have done uh, should I stay or should I go now <laughs> good song yes yeah so well, we've chosen yeah. something else so yeah. wait until the end of the podcast and you'll hear it uh, so Rob yeah just just I, will, I don't want to talk too much about CB19 because everyone's talking about it. And also, we'll, we're having a nod and a wink to to uh, Boris's um, comments at the weekend. Um, so from from your perspective, when did you first realise that, that you were coming down with it? Just get some like flu symptoms or what, what happened? I mean, it's not interesting for a first-hand experience. I just wonder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm more than happy. Um it was so innocuous. That that was a thing. It just started with uh, just feeling just a bit grotty. Um, obviously, very, very aware of what's happening out there with the COVID thing. Mm. Um, now, my son works in the local hospital, and, and so he is exposed to uh, COVID more, more so than most. But he's very diligent. So we don't think we got it from there. But all I know is that I started to feel tired the fatigue in fact was the most uh, thing so I felt that then on the Friday morning I have a sales meeting at seven o'clock in the morning with one of my with one of my teams and um, I, I did it and then I just had to go straight back to bed and I didn't really wake up on and off until Sunday morning and that's when I knew actually I've got something more than more than you know cold this was yeah. worse than flu um, and uh, then we, we got ourselves tested on the Wednesday. Um, so that's about three weeks ago now. Um, but the worst thing for me was uh, the fatigue. I didn't have the cough. Bev, my wife, Bev, had that very badly. Um, but for me, I just felt completely drained, uh, washed out, tired, and just slept for hours and hours and hours and hours. My goodness. And, and as you say, you've fully recovered and the family are well. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're all well. Excellent. We're all well. Very good. Uh, um, also, I'm just, as you were just mentioned there, you mentioned that your, your sales meeting, of course, I haven't formally introduced you. Tell, tell our, our listeners uh, and our viewers today a little bit about your, yourself, because uh, perhaps they've not, um, not heard from you in the past. No, it's fine. Um, my background is uh, originally uh, military. I was a, uh, an army officer, um, went from there into unusually, actually, straight into international sales. Um, the sales progression for most people is you start at the you know, sort of UK sales rep and you work your way up and then go from that into export for most people. Um, but because I was spoke German, an opportunity arose. I went into export almost straight away. And then I spent uh, 25 plus years uh, international sales and marketing for um, various uh, medical device manufacturers. Um, spent a lot of time uh, with doctors in theatres, showing them how to use the various pieces of equipment. Um, and then I finished my MBA and I've been an independent sales consultant and working with Aspen Wake, I don't know, for the last 10 years. Not wow. Aspen Wake, that's been a little yeah. bit. <laughs> It's a, yeah, a re recent addition to our little, uh, our wonderful right. team. Yeah, nice to have you on board. Um, so, so just quickly then, um, and, and it's probably been discussed on some of the other sessions and will be discussed on some of these other Aspen Wake sessions, but did you think that uh, the announcement on Sunday was clear enough? Did you, what did you think about it, Rob? Did it, uh, it seemed to me a little bit wishy-washy and vague, and it seems that most, the general public seen that as well. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it absolutely was. I, I was sort of watching it thinking, I, I, I saw the body language and the clenched fists and the, the, the Boris, Borisisms, um, but I was listening for, for, for content. And um, I, I just, uh, it was almost like you, you, you need to have done it. Might as well said, look, we're going to announce it all tomorrow. Um, mm. uh, I, I, I came, my personally, I came away feeling well, what do we do? Am I going to go to work tomorrow? Are my customers going to go to work tomorrow? Um, am I going to be able to play golf? Are we able to go for walks? What can mm. we do? Can we go to the beach? Mm. And there were so many questions unanswered. So if I'm feeling like that, and I'm, I'm reasonably in touch with what's going on, Mark, um, I can only imagine that if you were running a business with 30, 40, 50 employees, mm. there would have been so many questions unanswered. So out of 10, it was two or three, I'm afraid, for yeah. me. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I think that what we really need now is some clarity. And, and it's part of the subject we're going to talk about today. Not clarity necessarily, but the future. And and the new normal. Um, I'm going to mm. use that phrase. Because um, I don't think um, I don't think we can return to... to uh, I use the phrase normal with a small n. N. <laughs> Hopefully I've got it right. I can spell it um, with a small n because uh, often we talk about things in terms of normality. And of course, what we're really talking about is commonality. So commonality is are the things that we approach and, and tend to go through. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners will, will agree with this, tend to go through on a normal basis. Normality might be different for each individual or each dif different business. But I think if we look, talk about commonality and the future of commonality and what that might look like after COVID-19, I think generally for the for the, the, the general public, I wonder, I had a conversation this morning, I was on a Skype meeting with some colleagues um, regarding uh, media projects. And 
you know, are people going to travel in the way that they used to before this scenario, for example? There are some people that will find the idea of going to extremely busy airports or sitting on a, a plane confined with another 300 people. And, I'm, you know, this could be completely irrational, but there will be people that that will affect. So I think in general, the commonality plane, excuse the pun, will change. And therefore, the new normal will evolve from that. What are your thoughts on that, Rob? Well, it's, I mean, my guess is as good as yours. We just simply don't know. We've never been here before. Mm. Um, my, my gut feel is that if, if you go pre-COVID, there was a, a way of working that worked, if, if you want to use the expression. It, there were um, inefficiencies built into the systems, ineffectiveness built into the systems. People were doing things that they didn't necessarily think were the right things to do, but did it because culturally that's the way they did things. So whether this has been a big enough change for long enough to make mm. a cultural shift, mm. time time will tell. Mm. But I think that there's two components to this. The first component is the one I've just described. Is that Have we seen a cultural shift? Mm. Mm. But the second one is the shift of fear. So I'm fortunate that I have nobody close to me. All my family were tested positive, but I have no one that I'm shielding. So I've got no one that if I did subsequently get some on my hands, there's no one I'm likely to spread it to. But here's the point for me. If my mother, who's 85 and quite frail, was living here and we had not caught it, my biggest concern would be if I go back to a business um, setting, an office setting, where there's lots of people, I'm increasing the risk of catching it and bringing it home. Mm. Now I'm going to ask myself the question, is that worth it? Mm. You know, I'm, I'm operating from home now. You can yeah. probably see from yeah. behind me, this is my home. Um, I, and I'm not going to catch anything. If I went to work to the office with all of its attendant risks and benefits, but I bring it home that's so i think the two things one is the cultural shift i don't think it's long enough to make the cultural shift i think we will go back to a lot of where we were the mm -hmm. fear shift i think is what's going to drive it for a good period of time yet yeah. yeah i think that's a very good point and it, it brings brings me on to to the core of the sort of subject for today which is the what does what does the new business environment look like and i think i think my view is that the cultural shift, this is another element that will force a cultural shift because we're already seeing businesses, uh, employees, consumers working in a slightly different way. So there is, there's, a whole, there's a whole sector of, um, of business that have already embraced this kind of flexi time, home working, uh, and I wanted to touch on the sort of flat hierarchy approach as well. There's a lot of new codes, particularly in um, in the US. Um, I think Valve is the most famous of the, the companies that adopted the, the process. It sort of tripped them up a little bit, but it was generally this flat hierarchy where people were self-managed and the processes were in place to allow themselves to be autonomous, mm. uh, but deliver. So I think I'm just wondering, you know, there's a culture, there'll be a cultural shift in terms of the generations that have come come after ours into the business sector and the consumers. Um, 
and and also then maybe some of those people some of those uh, longer term business owners that have been around for a while have experienced in this scenario for the first time as in working outside of the office yeah i think within our own business aspen weight um, i think it's been a revelation for certain people in the business mm-hmm. and we'll certainly won't do things the same way in the future as a group um so uh, my, my thought process is that you know i think there's a, a gradual changing of the environment anyway in terms of you mentioned the cultural shift is that something that you've observed in your in your dealings with businesses or clients this move away from a traditional hierarchy to and i use use the term flat hierarchy it can you know flat organization whatever it might be but something that is not akin to the traditional hierarchy yeah i i go back to my time in international um because there was almost that's how we were working. Um, we didn't have the benefit of Zoom or Skype then. Um, but I simply couldn't just walk over to my distributor in Egypt or Israel or South Africa and, and have a chat and talk. There was it was a lot more structured. Mm. Um, and I think we just got used to it. The time difference. After a while, you assimilate to the you know form follows function. So mm. we, we just simply got used to it. And I, I, I kind of think that a lot of what was happening in a business, the cooler talk, you know, you, you, you'd, I'd, I'd probably bump into you in the corridor and say, hi, Mark, how are you doing? How's your family? And you might have a little bit of a conversation about what's going on in the business. Now, that isn't going to happen unless people put things like um, Teams in or Slack and encourage people to, 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 to work that way. So I, I, I do think things will change. I think people will start to use the processes and systems, which I'd like to talk on a bit more in a moment. Yeah, sure. Um, but th- because they simply have to. And I think that change is going to benefit a lot of people. Well, you mentioned Teams and Slack. I, I saw um, there's an advertisement. Microsoft have really taken... Uh, taking the opportunity to uh, push this and they're, they're showing a number of organizations are using teams and and certainly I know um, within my portfolio of, of business I'm involved with we've been using slack and and um, platforms in, in that way because we're quite a di- disparate group you know working media yeah. and we can't all be in the room at the same time same with Aspen weight group in fairness you know and that, I think that's what's gelled everybody during the cb19 i think paul mentioned something yesterday in a meeting where he said i think we're uh i'm paraphrasing but we're the most together that we've ever been right now when we're (laughs) ironically uh so disparate but um and but it's the technology i think that's where i was getting to the point the technology has evolved it's it's more accessible it's cheaper um ai in the background i I was talking to a, a client yesterday um, about the development of uh, of one of their products, and, and AI has completely transformed um, their business model because what it's allowed them to do is to put in levels within their pro- their products and services uh, that, that almost create a a form of electronic autonomy to not just be a tick box answer to respond to, but actually to to read and understand the narrative, and then the AI translates that and feeds back to the person putting the data in. Mm-hmm. So, so technology is evolving. You mentioned you mentioned there that you wanted to touch on processes and uh, uh, is you know is that where we're going? Is AI the, the future? Technology, cl- cloud-based computing, moving away from servers? Is it all going to be out of the office, not in the office? 
It has to be. So, so there, there are two components to this. One is the um, efficiency and effectiveness of you or I or anyone else working. So, um, as I say, if we worked in the same office, if there was an important thing, we would probably chat about it. But we can't do that now because we can't keep the, um, this line open. So what's going to need to happen now is and you will have various acronyms, but like the ERP system, Enterprise Resource Planning System, a CRM system that everyone can get onto. And there's two reasons for this. The first one is if you're working on something remotely and I'm working on something remotely, how do we stitch that narrative together? How how will I, if I'm managing you or you're managing me or we're in a team, how can I see what you're doing if you're working on a spreadsheet or a smart one, well, no, not smart sheet, but you're working from your own database and I'm working from my own database? I'm just not going to be able to see it. So I think this disparate workforce is going to absolutely demand better and better and better things like CRM systems, ERP systems, the SAP. And the, the pushback, there were two pushbacks to implementing that. One was cost, but the second one is, is the amount of time it takes you to become really competent at anything. So, for instance, I've used Outlook for nearly 20 years now. Do I really use it optimally? Well, no, I don't. I just email and a bit of calendars. So I, I, the, the demand to get the skill set up is, is much higher. So, so that's the first one. I'll, I'll, I'll stop now. But I think that the key thing now is for people to have the ability to communicate using the systems and they have to get better for sure. We, we, we kind of, fo- I'm just thinking there as you're talking, we, we kind of focused on, um, on the internal mechanisms of the business. How is this going to affect, do you think, the customer facing relationship and, and communication? Because that I think again, if we look at um, if we look at the rise of the the rise of the delivery driver, sounds like it should be a, a 1950s B movie. But <laughs> but the the right, you know, the delivery driver. I know bank holiday weekend, and um, we had a delivery from one of the organisations that turned up on the Sunday. You know, yeah. So delivery drivers are out all times of night and day, uh, doesn't matter if it's a bank holiday, a weekend, whatever. Uh, we're seeing automation in, in, in factories, in picking. Yeah. So, the, you know, is there, a, is there becoming, again, is there becoming, um, I would say, an expectation from the customers? You mentioned that there should be an expectation within the business for, for access. Surely it's got to be an expectation from customers that they don't have to go outside their home now to order what they want, pick what they want, get the service they want. How do I get it home? Yeah. I I mean, we would never, ever have been a click and collect household. We've got cars. We all drive. We would have just simply, we're in Bristol, easy to get to the mall, easy to get to the big shopping centres. We live near a very vibrant little shopping centre. So get in the car, go shopping. Click and collect would never, ever, ever have come on our uh, radar. But we do it now because it's easy. And once you get over that initial hurdle, it's easy and people are finding it easy now. So I do think that the business to consumer, the B to C model, it's been changing. It's been changing a lot. Amazon is a complete game changer. Ocado and these delivery services, BCD, etc. 
I think it's amplified and accelerated. So amplified more people and accelerated, they're doing it more frequently. Mm. So I think a B to C, if you were a business selling to consumers, you need to adapt to the new model because if you don't, you will get caught out because the newer companies are coming in, they get the model and they know it's one-on-one. Mm -hmm. I'm buying from you. I'm not being marketed, mass marketed. Mm -hmm. And I expect that personalization from you. Get that wrong, they'll just move on elsewhere. And it's easy to do. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Absolutely, very good point. Uh, and, and for, you know, for hopefully we've got a few business owners and uh, uh, business operatives and managers listening in today or on the podcast. If you haven't started to think about that, what's your what does your relationship with your customer really look like? Yeah. And when I say your customer, uh, and, and often I think as business owners, we get caught in a little trap and I'm generalizing now, but we have a customer base mm. and we have a regular customer and we get used to that and they continue to buy from us maybe or we continue to service them. And we, be, we then become a little bit comfortable in our position and we forget to look for the new customer. When I say new customer, I don't mean the new customer that's a facsimile of our existing customer. I mean the new customers on the horizon. So sure. if you haven't, you know, if you're in 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 a position right now where you can't work in the business, and I've said this before, if you're not working in the business right now, then you need to be working on the business. And what better time to do that? Then start thinking about that. Start thinking outside the box. What does the future really look like? And be honest about it, because often we, I think as business owners, I don't know if you find this, Rob, we extrapolate now. So we're asked to do a financial forecast for the next five years. We extrapolate what we know now to five years time, but the marketplace might have changed in five years time. Everything mm. changes so quickly now. Yeah. Um, so take a moment to, to envisage that, that environment of the, of the future. What does that actually look like? And if we were to take a step back, um, I'd say 10 years, just even 10 years, look how much the rise of the internet of things and smartphones have affected the business sector. Yeah. If, did we see that coming? I don't know. I, I'm not a futurist. I mean, I, it takes it takes an innovation leap forward. Um, the classic one is the post-it sticker. You know, somebody made a bit of glue, put it on a paper, and he realised it didn't stick that well. So he thought that's rubbish. Actually, turned out to be a whole industry. I don't know billions, maybe, but multi-millions for a thing that doesn't quite stick. <laughs> yeah, you, exactly. It's a joke, but but yeah, it's, it, it, it's ubiquitous. And and so innovation can be um, it, it it can be uh, controlled and developed absolutely, uh, or it just comes by spotting the obvious. And I hope I don't cause any offence here, but I do remember internationally um, somebody was talking about um, doing brainstorming, and I thought oh, this is a fantastic idea. So I went over to my team in Germany and said, right guys, we're going to do a brainstorming session. So they went, oh, no, no, nine, nine, nine. It doesn't work here, Rob. doesn't work here. And I said, well, what do you mean it doesn't work here? Well, we've tried it lots of times and it doesn't work. I said, OK, well, can you remind me, when you went into these brainstorming sessions, what problem were you looking to solve? And they went, what do you mean? What problem? So what I can imagine these German guys getting, and they are not the most in a, a sort of creative anyway, mm. just a six or seven guys sitting around a table looking at each other saying, 
what do we brainstorm? What, you know, <laughs> assuming that some somewhere in this um, this meeting of so-called minds, <laughs> something would come out of it. So they misunderstood it. But it's so innovation. Yeah, you, you, you've got to be. I, I think the key thing is having the antenna out to mm. spot it. Mm. And the best thing to do with that is to have trusted advisors working with your clients, mm -hmm. working with your customers. So your sales force are not out there pushing product. They're out there with their customers, with your big customers, solving problems. Mm. And talking it through because the answer to the problem, what next, is going to come from your customers. Mm. They're mm. going to tell you if you're bothered to ask them. And if you don't, somebody else will. And they'll just simply say, well, that's that's quicker, simpler. Let me just give you one example. Um, I don't know if you're aware about how much it costs to raise an invoice. I think the number is about £60 for raise one invoice when you go okay. through the whole thing. Sure. Why not aggregate invoices to the month? Why not just collect them all together? Well, the reason is we have to check them all. Then. Yeah. So the cost of trust in order to do that is significant. Mm. But if you work with someone who trusted them, you could just issue one invoice or two invoices rather than 100 invoices. So little things like that, if, if you were open to suggestions mm. and listening, can really open up completely new avenues of thought. But you've got to have your antenna tuned to uh, look for it. Yeah, I like that. I think that's the that's the take the takeaway for today. Keep those antennas up. Absolutely. And make sure you're talking, as you quite rightly say, make sure you're talking to your customers, your clients. And I, I often think as well in business sometimes. Um, and again, I'm making a generalisation here, so feel free to to pull me up if any of our listeners. Um, Often when we're thinking of a customer, we're, we're sort of thinking of it in terms of a, a one, let me use this, a one lane motorway. As if we've just got, right, this is what we sell and, th and this is what we provide for you and that's going well, isn't it? But actually, they're, they're sharing that motorway with us and there's a number of other lanes that we could help them with. Uh, and I know that certainly with Aspen Weight, that's our approach is to, to you know, yeah. support business growth services and, and, and really build and support them businesses across the board and there's plenty of other people out there doing that but I think you know, don't get don't get too caught up in that that space where you think well I, all I do is supply in this and actually there's nothing else that I can do to help them start to start talking to your clients and customers about quite rightly as you say what are their problems yeah what are their pinch points right now and there might be something else that you, you've not thought of and, and if I if I made slight um, another small tangent, but we've, we've been working on a product, um, a sustainable product, which is a bioplastics product for one of our businesses we're involved with. And we've been so focused on that product. Um, it wasn't until I spoke, we were speaking to another team that they said, well, could you not make other products with the same material? Mm -hmm. but, yeah, we could, but that, that market's already established in a sense, mm. um, but not with the product, your your base product you're supplying. No, it's not. So we were so caught up with thinking, we've got to design this product and get that to market. We'd missed that the, the base element of that product could be used for a number of other things already out there. So yeah. you could have a parallel sales stream <laughs> selling products whilst you're developing this, this other model as well. And I think that's the key to innovation as well, isn't it? Just being able to step aside and have that lateral view. It, it is. But um, 
we in one of my previous iterations um uh, they, they came up with a thing that would look at people's noses and um, it was a, an exquisite design. It was it was beautiful to look at it, in its reality. When you saw it being used, it wasn't quite so beautiful. Mm. Um, and they spent hours and hours and hours, probably days, probably months in designing this thing. But they missed the obvious. How many? How many does the market need of this particular nasal speculum for what it did? Mm. And the numbers were woefully small woef only a few specialists around the world would need them so all of this creativity all this energy into something where maybe they sell what two 200 230 240 and it was only worth 150 bucks so innovation has to be coupled with uh commerciality mm, somebody right. has to look at is and, and and there has to be a hurdle and say, if it doesn't cross this hurdle, as good an idea as it is, mm. you've got to shelve it. Yeah. yeah um, what do they say? N nothing's worse than doing something well that shouldn't be done at all. <laughs> yeah. You, you, and I and I see people. We call it the shiny uh, the shiny object syndrome. Mm. It's the day to day stuff is grind. So let's go and play with the new toy. Let's go and develop that. I can make it go a little bit faster. Mm. The entrepreneur will say, yeah, but how do I monetize it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and that's the secret. How do I monetize this? Um, and if you can't, it's just yet another, it's probably another fad. It's uh, tough, but it's got to be done. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I think, you know, now's a great time. I would imagine now is a great time for, for innovation to start forming in people's minds in terms of the next iteration of their business or the new model of business, or as we said earlier, the new commonality or new normal. Um, so have we got, uh, for maybe some of our listeners that, that are on, or, or viewers that, that are in here today, maybe they're sitting there and they're looking at their business and they're thinking, it's time to diversify, but where do they go? And, I, and I'm not trying to sell. I'm not trying to sell services here. I'm just. I'm just jumped, as a business owner myself. Where do you go nowadays for that kind of really great advice? Because a lot of the business support, you know, the local authority or government support mechanisms have gone in a sense. Um, in your opinion, Rob, what what have you found? You know, what are the avenues? What are the mixture of avenues that you 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 found work? Sure. Well. There's, there's, there's four approaches. Um, the first approach is try and sell more of what you've got to your existing customers. I know you talk about diversify. Mm. I, I will come yes. back to yeah. that. So, so that's the first thing. You know, have you got market saturation? The first thing is what, what slice of the pie have you got? And if you haven't got a good enough slice and the competitors are weak, go, go for that. Mm. The second one is you could either sell more products to your existing market or you could sell your existing products to new markets. Mm -hmm. Now, the answer to this is actually straightforward, is you sell more products to your existing market, if you can, because they know you. Mm -hmm. You've built trust up. So if you go along to somebody you don't know and say, oh, I've got this revolutionary new widget, and they go, I don't know you and I don't know the widget. Sorry, it's not going to work. But if they did know you and you had a new product, then uh, they're likely to listen. But there are times when you might take a, an existing product to a new market. Export is the obvious example. And then lastly, you take a new product to a new market, which is diversification. Mm -hmm. And if you want to know the risk factors, uh, this is very well uh, uh, researched, but the, 
the factor of one is existing markets to uh, existing product, existing markets. It's twice as hard to sell a new product to a market that you already know. It is four times harder to sell a product that you know to a market you don't know. And it's 16 times harder. The risk is 16 mm. times greater if you diversify to a new market, to a, a new product, to a new market. So the answer to the question is sell more to people you already know, if you can. Mm. And secondly, find new products that your marketplace wants. Yes, very good. Very good advice. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's the point, isn't it? Is that there's also an element of as, as business owners or entrepreneurs, um, sometimes we're used to taking risks, and but they need to be calculated risks, of course. Absolutely. And I, I often wonder if, um, you know, sometimes the 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 in-depth review of the risks to our business and to our reputation and 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 the future implications, when we do come up with a great idea or innovate and think, okay, yeah, I'm going to diversify. Sometimes, of course, you know, these ideas come out of left field and they work perfectly. Other times, they're a disaster. Um, uh, and I was just thinking. Um, I was, I was just thinking there about some of the uh, some of my potential client base within Aspen Weight Southeast, and and we've been able to support them in a number of different ways. Uh, but R and D is what we we do particularly well. R and D tax credits. Where, what we find is once we start to look at the clients' accounts, because we have to look at that for the R and D, then we can see what we get a feel for what's going on in the business. And I and that, that I think that's the other thing I'm considering is that objective view where when you're in it you just can't see literally the wood for the trees and yeah by getting somebody else in whether it be a coach or an advisor or a subject matter expert if you're you know a certain size company and i know i've used this model in the past having an advisory board mm. of experts that sit around there's plenty of there's plenty of really well experienced people and linkedin's a great way of finding these people as well yeah. just you know i, I think that's a great way of, of of checking the risk factor as well, because you're checking it against people that have been through the process or experienced it, and they can hold, not hold you accountable, but in a sense, hold a mirror up. Mm. I, I, th I think there's also uh, Vistage, which is um, a peer group, a CEO peer groups, because the th I can't, if I had a pound for every time I've been told by an owner manager of the business, senior people, and I've worked with them. Mm. You know, if I had a pound for everyone said to me, if they were honest enough to say the reality is I'm lonely, mm. I can't I can't tell my wife. I you know I go home and tell my wife because you know she's my wife and she's mm. bored to death with it, but she listens. But I can't go and talk to my sales director about things I'm thinking of about my exit plan. Mm. I can't go and talk to them about the fact that I'm restructuring the business and therefore this might need to happen and, and i can't talk i might talk to my finance director mm -hmm. but i don't tend to and so having that external coach mentor consultant yeah you've got to pay for it but mm -hmm. i tell you what if you want to what are they saying if if you want to know uh, how expensive it is go and hire an amateur yeah then, absolutely uh, yeah yeah but if you get a group of like-minded people together into a room and a vistage cohort or team I come at chair is about 12 so you're sharing similar problems with people who are having uh, similar issues so you get an opportunity to talk out loud mm. and and as a leader 
I think that I, I'm not quite sure how we've got to this point, um, but that opportunity to talk out loud about your problems to somebody who is receptive and listens and can comment appropriately is absolutely critical, whether it's COVID or not. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think I think we're hurtling towards the uh, the end of our time, actually. Um, and we've got to finish on the song as well, Rob, which I know you've, you've chosen for us today. Uh, but just to recap, I think, you know, we, we started the show where we're just talking a little bit about the current scenario. Then what does what does the future look like in general? Uh, and then taking taking an opportunity to sit down and, and think about how your work you can, you know, one can work on on your business right now and your plans for the future. And then obviously tailing off with, uh, well, who do you go to for advice? So I think hopefully we've, we've given a rounded approach to today's show. If you've got any questions, feel free to jump onto the Facebook page and, and uh, we'll get back to you. Also, don't forget, you can listen back on YouTube and you can subscribe. You can listen in uh, to Aspen Weight Radio, of course, as well. And we're here every day at 12.30, different guests, different hosts. Uh, I'll be back next Tuesday, presumably with uh, Mr. Waite, but also maybe Rob. So, Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time, uh, and particularly when you've just come out the other side of of a particularly debilitating uh, period yeah. with CB19. So. No, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. It really has. Um, but before you ask me, I've forgotten what song I was going to play. So uh, <laughs> remind me, what did we set? What did we come uh, up? I think you said Leonard Skinner. That's right, sweet a uh, sweet home Alabama. Sweet home Alabama, and just and and with the context of the show. Well, I just think that you know people working from home, going to the office, just to remind them, you know, home is sweet home, mm-hmm. and uh, and in, and enjoy it. No, for sure, absolutely. So I hope, hope everyone's enjoyed uh, listening in today, and uh, we're going to play out with the the, the track that uh, has been chosen there by Rob. Um, I can see that we, we're probably still live on air, so I don't know if Ben's going to. Uh, we don't have control of the of the, the live thing, so maybe we could get we get to waffle for another five minutes, Rob. I'm not quite sure, but uh, uh, j- just to remind you, uh, the Facebook.com is forward slash Aspen Wait, and if you're, you're not sure, Wait is spelled W-A-I-T-E. Wow. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Uh-huh.